Chapter Fifty Nine of Kit and Kitty by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifty Nine A Cool Request. It was natural that my hatred of that heinous race should be doubled. Violence and falsehood in the fiercer times, cunning and falsehood in these latter days, had robbed two generations of honest growers of all that they valued most on earth. No one, however light and careless, could help being struck with the strange resemblance between my uncle's sad story and my own. It was now quite manifest why he had striven against my affection for Kitty at first, and then, when he saw that it could not be checked, had sympathized with me in the dark results. His wrongs must be avenged, as well as mine, and the sweet repose of Christian contentment must not be indulged in, till justice had been fed. The fatal point was that I could see no way, but the way was being paid for it without my knowledge. It was out of my power and outside my nature to play the spy upon anybody, but we managed through good Mrs. Wilcox to keep a sharp eye on Downy Bullrag. I rode up to see her at least once a week, fearing above all things that he might give me the slip and be off as some foreign quarters, possibly even to my darling's prison. That she was immured in some out-of-the-way place was now my settled conviction, and I pondered a thousand wild plans for roaming the world at large in search for her. The money would have been at my disposal, for Aunt Parslow was most generous, but where to begin was a boundless question, and where to end would have been endless. The only thing possible was to wait, and the thing most reasonable was to hope though impatience vowed it otherwise. The spring came back to a heavy heart, and there was no spring in my voice or gait. One April evening I went down to the Halliford Brook for watercress for my Uncle Corny's supper. He had not been very well of late and fancied this or disliked that in a manner quite unusual with him. I was uneasy and begged him daily to seek the advice of Dr. Sippets, but he only laughed or bristled up as stubborn as a rusty nail in heart of oak. Then I told him not to smoke so much, and he replied by filling his biggest pipe. I passed the place where I first had Kitty in my arms a year and a half ago. Then all had been storm and flood and roar. Now all was calm and sunny silence, broken only by the lapping of the brook. I leaned against the old carved stone from which she had leapt into my embrace, and the budding shadows of the alder-bush, like bars of sad music, stole over me. It seemed to me, in my disconsolate mood, that the young leaf had better spring back into the bud, and the flower get quickly through its work and die, but my thoughts were interrupted by a grating voice. Hola, young man. You look down in the mouth. Not much luck for you in my house, by all accounts. <laughs> that was a scurvy trick. I answered not a word, for I disliked the man, an ill-conditioned, ill-omened fellow, old Harker, who had meant to live rent-free forever in Honeysuckle Cottage. He looked very shabby and shaky and uncombed, as if he slept in a hayrick and washed himself with it. Uh, you wouldn't be quite so uppish, my brave young cock, if you knew all that I could tell you. Give my love to old Bonfire Raker. Here he'll come to ashes himself pretty soon, 
this was so mean and ungrateful of him after all my uncle's forbearance that i seized him by the collar as he stepped upon the bridge and brought him back and made him look at me now harker you'll just have the kindness i said to speak out like a man what your meaning is i'm not going to hurt you if you do the right thing otherwise you shall have a wash and not before you want it out with it out with everything that you can tell me though i don't believe there's much of it very likely not and i would not say a word of it for such as it is for any fear of you but only because he has treated me shabby promised me five pounds and only gave me one that wasn't accurate you know why it hardly paid for shoe leather what will you give me master kit to tell you all i know of him and all his tricks about you that depends upon what i find it worth in the first place who is the he you talk of as if you didn't know well you are a pretty muff if you don't know when a man hates you i have no love for you mine because of the scurvy way i was treated but i wouldn't go out of my way to hurt you without being paid for it what will you give you'll be glad to know it though i don't promise it will help you much i am always accurate i am i promised him a pound if it should prove to be a value or a crown if i could make no use of it and although it could help me but little for the future i considered it worth a larger sum when i had heard the whole of it because it cleared up so many little points which had puzzled me up to that moment this man harker by his own confession had been employed for weeks to keep close watch upon us and report all our doings to bullrag that demon discovered that this low fellow bore a grudge against us because of his expulsion from the cottage and what better spy could he wish for than one who had lived in the place and knew every twig and stone it is awful for a simple man who lives without much thought and says and does everything without looking round to find that all his little doings have been watched by an eye that was anything except the eye of god we had kept a very distant sort of outlook upon bullrag but that was different altogether and as a rogue he must long have been accustomed to it to think that in our gardens where every tree knew me and the line of every shadow was known to me i could not even move without somebody behind me was enough to scatter all delight and simplicity and carelessness harker told me all about the secret of the door into love lane i knew that it was bolted i was sure it had been bolted i could almost swear that it had not been opened by any honest person from the inside for a long time before kitty vanished through it it ought to have been locked as well of course as tabby tapscott who had the true feminine knack of hitting a blot observed but now all that became plain as a pikestaff that sneak of a harker knew a dodge for undoing the bolt from the outside by tapping on a sprung piece of tongued board when the bolt which was loose in the socket would glide back i remembered what appeared to be a pretty turn of kitty's when i asked her to come and take a walk in love lane not unless you seem to want it my dear we have our love inside and it's not a gloomy lane for she always loved fruit trees and fair alleys and the way one looks up at the sky through balls of gold however that sort of thing was out of harker's line and i asked him a few questions with a sovereign in my hand at which he kept glancing as a dog of better manners assures his master that he loves the hand ever so much more than the tit-bit inside it 
he told me, for his mind was made up now, that he had suspected Bullrag's scheme, but it had nothing to do with the final stroke, except that he had opened the road for it. I conjured him by all that he valued, if he valued anything besides himself, to tell me where my dear wife was likely to be now, if indeed she were in the world at all. He had no fine feeling to be appealed to, and having had a bad wife, his own fault, I dare say, could not at all enter into my concern, but he took a great weight from my heart by declaring that there was no fear of Kitty being made away with. "'Tis a bit of a revenge and nothing more,' he said. "'The man is so deep and slippery that you can never circumvent him. You are a baby altogether to him. Although he employed me for weeks together, he never let me into any one of his devices. He never does anything as you expect it.' When you find out this, if you live long enough to do it, you will find it come contrary to all your guesses. If you ask what I think is the best way, I will tell you. But I might be quite wrong for all that, you know. Very well, he said when I asked him most earnestly and promised him five pounds if it turned out well. You just do this and see what comes of it. Collect all your money and get your uncle to sell a good piece of his land for building. They are talking of that sort of thing, you know, and there is sure to be a railway by and by, and the old topper's land is the best in the parish. And when you have raised a thousand pounds, take it in a bag or a purse with open meshes and lay it on his table, not too near him, mind, and then be very humble and say, Mr. So-and-so, you have beaten me out and out, and I give in. You shall have all this, and I'll cry quits, and give you any undertaking you require as soon as I get my wife back soon. It is my belief, Master Kit, that you would have her in a week, for that sort of man will do anything for money. This was altogether a new view to me, and I began to suspect things immediately. Possibly this man had even been sent to propose a bargain in this sly way. I could raise the thousand pounds by selling out what I possessed, and my wife was worth more than all the money in the world, or even than my own life to me, but my pride and sense of right swelled against the low idea, and I knew that even Kitty would condemn so vile a bargain. If that is the only way to do it, it will never be done, I answered sternly, but tell me one thing, did you see her go? Did you see the man who came to fetch her? Now it was managed too well for that. They got all they could out of me and trusted me no further. I did not even know that it was going to be done. I was ordered off to Hampton on that very day. Seeing someone in the distance coming towards us from the village, I gave the man his sovereign and let him go, after learning where he might be found in case of being needed and before I could even think the matter over, Mrs. Marker was crossing the planks towards me, dressed very prettily, and smiling at me pleasantly. What memories this spot does evoke! She had taken to rather fine language lately, and it seemed to become more and more romantic. Oh, Mr. Kit, Mr. Kit, is it possible that I meet you here again? Alas, I fear that you seek this spot, to heave the sad sigh and to shed the briny tear. I replied that I was only come to look for watercress, but was very glad to meet her, for we always had been friends, and perhaps she could tell me many things I wished to know. 
whatever i know was at your command my deep and heartfelt but unavailing pity he has followed your fortunes for many a long month why the bridal morn seems but yesterday so to speak and yet a rolling year has passed over us since then robbed of your bride in less than half the honeymoon and before she understood the price of sugar you remember that she was to have laid it in cheap second whites before it went up for preserving oh mr kit we well may say inscrutable are the decrees of heaven but all shall be well yet all shall be well if we trust in the lord and gird up our loins with trembling excuse the remark of too personal but my heart does bleed for you any new light shed upon this dark dispensation that is the very thing i was going to ask you but first of all tell me dear mrs marker are you convinced are you absolutely certain that my kitty would never prove false to me i never put this question to any of my own sex but it always did me good to receive from a woman who must understand women so much better the strong confirmation of my own strong faith to their credit be it said that not one of them refused it fie fie how can you ever bring yourself to ask the question though i am sure i am not surprised after all that has happened but i will tell your kitty of it and we will have a laugh together for the triumph of the wicked cannot last much longer i suppose that you have heard what the wretch is doing not very lately i was going to ask you we were told in the autumn by a lady who seemed to know that everything was settled and even the day fixed for his marriage with a very rich young lady the only child of a very wealthy earl but it seems to hang fire and i cannot discover that anything is settled even now do tell me what you have heard of it miss coldpepper surely ought to know i should think she ought considering what she has done it appears that the lady is quite willing she is under some foolish spell and thinks him such a hero but her father though he seemed to give in at first heard something which induced him to change his mind and now he insists as is only fair upon something being brought in by the gentleman as well they are doing all they can to get over the hitch and what do you suppose he had the impudence to do he came down here about a week ago drove down in a handsome cab all the way nobody was to know it of course but i did and then and there he had the face to ask his aunt to declare him the heir and to bind herself to it of all her estates and property it quite took my breath away when i heard it that any one should have such assurance and after all that has happened in the family a nice lord of the manor he would make did his mother come down with him not she she was too wide awake for that the sisters can never be in one room half an hour without fighting he went on about the honour of the family and adding to the estates with the old earl's wealth and taking the name of cold pepper and i don't know what else for of course i was not there but she told me of it afterwards and she laughed very heartily i can tell you it is a mere business arrangement she replied and it must be done in business form if at all write to my solicitors on the subject proposing exactly what you have proposed to me 
give your reasons for wishing that it may be settled so and add that there could have been no occasion for it if your mother had not run away with your aunt's lover after locking her in a dark hole where she might have died you may be quite certain of my consent as your mother was when she turned the key on me don't let me detain you for fear of losing time solicitors are never very rapid in their work he could scarcely have been disappointed but charles said he did look savage when he showed him out and now what do you think his next card is how can i tell perhaps he'll come to uncle corney and ask him to sell his garden and settle it upon him you are not so very far out at all your kitty has a very rich aunt in the north no relative of his in any way not even a connection for she is related to kitty on her mother's side but she has the reputation of being rather soft and so off he goes without telling anybody but we heard of it and we hear a great deal more now because we've got a maid whose sister lives there and waits upon the two young ladies who are always chattering about their brother and our mary can't do without her anne for more than a week because they are twins every sunday our mary goes up to the park or their anne comes down to the manor and perhaps you may know what ladies maids are mr kit they really seem to take a deeper interest in the family they serve than the one they belong to so we know all the young ladies know and perhaps more than their mother knows for being so masterful she has things kept from her as is only natural and i can tell you one thing mr kit which you won't be sorry to hear perhaps or at any rate didn't ought to be mr downy bullrag is in more trouble not about money i mean but something worse or at any rate deeper than money is his sisters know this but they don't know what it is or else they are afraid to speak of it i thought of tony tonks and the man called midgewell ben goose who appeared to tony to be an english sailor fallen into foreign ways and i thought it very likely that he might have brought bad news he goes away at night continued mrs marker without a word of notice to anybody and he sneers or is grumpy if they ask him about it and he has been seen with very shabby-looking people though he used to be so particular about that and he carries one of those new-fangled pistols that go off a dozen times with one load and every one is afraid to go near him almost because of his temper and all that from all i am told you may depend upon it he is not enjoying himself mr kit so very much more than you are and that is not very much to go by your face sorry as i am to see it sir after saving me from the jaws of death nonsense mrs marker you saved yourself by your presence of mind and a light young foot you say things beautifully mr kit it was always your gift as a child i have heard though not old enough here to remember it and now sir remember that you have one good friend who will never be happy till you are a feeble friend but a warm one and able perhaps to do more than you think nothing shall go by me that you ought to hear of good-bye sir good-bye everything will come right and you shall pay me for telling your fortune End of chapter fifty nine